Section 7 of Seven Roman Statesmen of the Later Republic by Charles Ullman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 4 From the Gracchi to Sulla, BC 121 to 88, Part 2. The man who had put an end to the long nightmare of fear which had hung over the city from the day of Arausio to that of Vercelli might have asked and obtained from the people any reward that he might choose they offered libations to him as if he were a god and hailed him as the third founder of rome he might have been her eighth king had he known the right way in which to sue for the sceptre and the diadem but the great general was the most bungling and incompetent of politicians his naive vanity and clumsy ostentation made him ere long ridiculous a grave fault in a pretender to supreme power the optimate sneered at his solecisms in grammar and in dress these might have been imperceptible to the multitude but even they were forced to laugh at a consul who was always trying to make great political harangues and breaking down hopelessly in the middle the firmness which he displayed in battle did not accompany him into the assembly and the least interruption or distraction disconcerted him so that he promptly became incoherent moreover even the rabble would have preferred a leader who did not mix vulgar familiarity with vainglorious ostentation in such a curious measure and who could have concealed more successfully his growing addiction to the wine-cup but in spite of all his obvious defects marius was firmly convinced that he was to be not only the preserver of rome from the barbarians but also the destined saviour of society who was to take up the task of the gracchi and to tear the administration of the empire from the incapable hands of the senate a little experience convinced him that he was not really suited for the work of a mob orator nor for the drawing up of an elaborate political programme of reforms but the only result of this discovery was to make him resolve to take into his pay useful persons capable of writing his speeches and drafting his bills for him he must find tools and mouthpieces who would act as his agents in the work of revolution unskilful in every political action marius enlisted as his managing partners two able and reckless scoundrels whose disreputability was to be the ruin both of himself and of the democratic cause these two choice spirits lucius apuleius saturninus and c servilius glaucia were the roman counterparts of the cleophons and hyperbole of athens the former was a contentious obstinate man who as quaestor in 104 had a quarrel with the senate in which he considered that he was ill-treated since then he had devoted himself to the career of malcontent and exposer of abuses in b c 103 he had obtained the tribunate and had used its power by bringing perpetual charges of bribery or misconduct against unpopular optimates by raising mobs and by sweeping the streets whenever the spirit seized him he was now anxious to take another turn of tribunicial power his colleague glaucia seems to have been a shade less violent but even more insolent and disreputable his special talent lay in the direction of vulgar and indecent stump oratory with which 
he could always keep the multitude on the roar having enlisted the support of this precious pair marius started on his career as a democratic reformer he allowed saturninus to draw up the programme for him he for his part was to support it with the majesty of his military reputation and if necessary by calling in the aid of his disbanded veterans who were loafing about the city by thousands living on the great donatives which they had received at the end of the cimbric war the platform of the revived democratic party consisted of a reproduction with some slight variations of the schemes of gaius gracchus the permanent support of the urban mob was to be bought by a grotesque exaggeration of that statesman's detestable corn law the dole had been issued to the citizens since b c one twenty two at the rate of six and a half asses promodius saturninus proposed to sell the corn for the ridiculous price of five-sixths of an ass he might as well have given it away for nothing less objectionable by far was the revival of gracchus's great scheme for transmarine colonization saturninus had already proposed to revive the gracchan scheme of colonizing africa for the benefit of the veterans of the jugurthine war now he produced a grandiose scheme for transmarine colonization on the largest scale it included a law for the planting of colonies in achaia macedonia and sicily and another for the distribution of great regions both in gaul and in africa among the victorious soldiery of the cimbric war marius was to be entrusted with the execution of the whole vast scheme the italians were also to be pacified by this measure for they were to be included in the gallic distribution and each settler was to receive full burgess rights saturninus had grasped the fact that the city rabble on whose votes he had to subsist objected to the enfranchised italians at home who might cram the form and scramble for doles but had no objection to the enfranchised italian who had been packed off to africa or central gaul out of sight would be out of mind his colonization scheme therefore was contrived to play a double part in satisfying the veterans and in pacifying the allies in strict accordance with gracchan precedents bills were added to strengthen the already overgreat power of the equites in the law courts but there was a most original novelty included in the apulean law the reckless tribune subjoined to it a clause compelling every senator to swear obedience to the whole code within five days of its passing the comitia on pain of losing his seat for intolerant suppression of adverse opinion no more stringent device had ever been invented the senate as a power in the state would have been annihilated if it had been forced to submit to such ordinances but it was not so much the contents of the apulean laws which proved fatal to their framer and his patron as the way in which the laws were carried saturninus's whole career was a carnival of violence and outrage he habitually went about attended by turbulent mobs who beat or slew any one who dared to differ from their idol his followers were capable of anything in the tribunitial elections for b c one hundred it seemed probable that he would fail to be chosen thereupon a band of his satellites fell upon and stoned to death quintus nonius one of the successful candidates saturninus was elected to fill the vacant place 
it was just possible to look upon this sinister coincidence as the work of chance but no one could mistake its meaning when precisely the same thing happened at the consular elections for the succeeding year glaucia was a candidate under the protection of saturninus and marius it seemed likely that he might be beaten by gaius memmius a man who though now a moderate member of the optimate party had been a very popular tribune of the plebs eleven years before and had headed the agitation against the mismanagement of the jugurthine war the moment that his candidature was seen to be dangerous memmius was set upon by a gang of ruffians and beaten to death these were perhaps the most shocking of the deeds of marius's enterprising lieutenant but his general behaviour was quite in keeping with them when the law dealing with the corn dole in the gallic colonies was before the comitia some optimate tribunes tried to interpose their veto saturninus did not take the trouble to deal with them as tiberius gracchus had dealt with octavius he simply had them thrown off the rostra and went on with the proceedings the evicted magistrates though much knocked about struggled to the front and began crying that they heard thunder on the left which should have brought the meeting to an end but saturninus pointing with a menacing gesture to the stones which his followers were gathering up told them that they had better beware or it would not only rain but hail the tribunes discreetly fled but a hot-headed young optimate the quaestor quintus caepio collected a band of his clients and supporters girt up his toga and stormed the rostra upsetting saturninus and those about him the assailants were but a handful and the demagogue rallying his forces and putting marian veterans in his front rank charged back drove off caepio and his gang and completed the formalities of passing the bill among desperate noise confusion and tumult it was farcical to call such a mere riot a legal meeting of the comitia or to hold that bills which had been vetoed by half a dozen tribunes had any binding force but it was for refusing to swear obedience to them that quintus metellus the haughty but honest and capable predecessor of marius in numidia was driven into exile there seemed to be no length to which saturninus and glaucia would not go but their triumphant violence defeated their own ends marius was prepared to wink at a good deal of ruffianism on the part of his supporters but he drew the line at the systematic murder of respectable opponents and would have preferred to see the opposite party in the assembly overawed by threats rather than driven out with sticks and stones clearly he began to fear his own lieutenants and to doubt whether they might not turn against him instead of merely carrying out his plans he suddenly dropped his support of them secretly informed the optimates that he would not be responsible for their acts and passed the word round among his veterans that they were to remain neutral exasperated at being disavowed by their employer saturninus and glaucia tried to continue their wild career on their own behalf and in december b c one hundred brought matters to a head by seizing the capital with the object of carrying through a regular coup d'etat what exactly they intended to accomplish we cannot guess certainly it can hardly have been as their enemies asserted to proclaim saturninus king or even dictator but deprived of the aid of the veterans of marius they proved no more able to defend themselves than gaius gracchus and fulvius had been in b c one twenty one 
the optimates easily shut them in and held them beleaguered while the senate proclaimed martial law marius much against his will was forced to lend his sanction as consul to their proceedings when the besiegers had succeeded in cutting off the supply of water from the capital saturninus and his crew were forced to surrender they were placed under a guard in the senate house by the orders of marius but the optimate mob tore off the roof and pelted the prisoners to death with tiles before the consul could interfere thus ended the third attempt of the democratic party to seize the conduct of affairs and to make an end of the senate as a governing body it failed mainly from the incapacity of marius either to conduct a political campaign himself or to select agents who would be competent to do so in his behalf if he had known how to secure men of tact and discretion instead of reckless incendiaries he might have done what he pleased for the strength of his reputation would have carried everything before it in b c one o one and the arms of his veterans were at his disposal but saturninus in spite of a certain ability and energy was frankly impossible either as leader or lieutenant he would have wrecked any cause by his insolence and recklessness marius much disappointed by the failure of his schemes and more or less conscious of the ridiculous figure which he had cut retired from rome when his consulship was over and went for a long tour in asia under the pretext of fulfilling a vow which he had made during the cimbrian war to the gods of the east when he returned he found that he had been half forgotten and that the senate was more powerful than it had been at any time since the fall of the gracchi there was a gap of more than eight years before any serious political strife again arose at rome but the unsatisfactory economic and constitutional position of the republic once more produced its inevitable result and a new reformer arose marcus livius drusus differed from his predecessors in that he was in no sense a legitimate descendant of the gracchi he was what in modern phraseology we should call a tory democrat he believed that the senate was far more fitted than the assembly to administer the empire he had taken part against saturninus in b c one hundred and his views as to what were the main dangers of the state and how these dangers should be met differed from those which were held by the democratic party in personal character he was as unlike saturninus and glaucia as can well be imagined being a man of very staid and even haughty carriage extremely strict in his morals and self-conscious beyond the limits of priggishness he was so well aware of his own virtues that his dying words are recorded to have been that he wondered how many years would elapse before the state would get another citizen as good as himself after having studied for several years the unsatisfactory condition of the republic drusus had come to the conclusion that its main dangers were the ever-growing power and insolence of the equestrian order the corporation of financiers to whom gaius gracchus had sacrificed the state and the discontent of the italian allies he also thought that something might still be done to re-establish the yeoman class by providing new colonies at capua an old idea of gaius gracchus's and in sicily there was nothing in these views which might not be held by a sincere optimate and drusus found that he might look for support from all the more enlightened members of the senate for the first time a reformer was backed by a large proportion of the most important men in the state the better sort of senators had long been chafing at the corruption of the equestrian law courts and of late 
the condemnation of the virtuous rutilius rufus for his blameless government in asia had provoked them beyond endurance as to the question of giving the franchise to the allies any sensible optimate could see that the existing constituency in the comitia was as bad from his point of view as any other body that could be created it could do no harm if the urban multitude were deluded or even swamped by the sturdy farmers of those parts of central italy to which agricultural depression had not yet penetrated the agrarian law too which drusus proposed had not the confiscatory character of that of tiberius gracchus the campanian state domains and the other small remnants of public land in italy were being held on lease they had not practically passed into private possession as had the estates which had been resumed by the gracchan law of b c one thirty three and to colonies in sicily no one could have any rational objection the fertile island had been so wasted by the slave war of b c one o four to one o one that it could afford to take in a very large body of new settlers it is impossible to deny that the reforms of drusus were less objectionable and had a more respectable and influential set of supporters than any other of the programmes which were laid before the roman people during the last century of the republic unfortunately their author did not introduce them in the best or wisest fashion the bills had to pass the comitia and that corrupt constituency had to be conciliated thinking that the agrarian law would not suffice to buy it over drusus linked to his other proposals one of a most openly immoral sort he offered to increase the pernicious corn dole by adding to the amount of state grain which each citizen was allowed to purchase every month it was represented to him that the treasury could not stand the expense wherefore he enacted that the coinage should be debased in order to find the extra money of every eight denarii issued by the mint one was to be of copper plated with silver and to refuse the base coin was to be a high offence evidently drusus was no economist but even though the ancient world had not discovered gresham's law that the bad money drives out the good he must have known that his bill would cause grave financial troubles it was clearly a case of doing evil that good might come drusus found himself at the head of a very heterogeneous body of partisans his proposals had caused a cleavage in both of the old factions he was backed by the better half of the senate by the italians and at first by that blind and greedy majority in the assembly which would vote anything that was sweetened by a corn dole against him were the equites and that section of the senate which was simply reactionary and opposed to all manner of change merely because it was change he had also to reckon with that part of the urban multitude which regarded the extension of the franchise to the italians with such distaste that they feared and shunned any one who might propose it quite conscious of the existence of this latter body drusus with more willingness than honesty brought forward together his laws for depriving the equites of the control of the courts for planting the colonies in italy and sicily and for increasing the corn dole to do so directly contravened the lex caecilia didia passed in b c ninety eight which forbade the introduction of clauses dealing with several distinct subjects under a single preamble nevertheless the proposals were carried in face of a bitter opposition headed by the consul marcius philippus 
the meeting at which they passed was much disturbed and the adversaries were so vehement that at last drusus had philippus dragged off the rostrum by his apparitors an outburst of temper which unhappily recalled the doings of saturninus his bill passed but its legality was very doubtful in face of his opponent's contention that subjects so different could not legally be linked together in one enactment End of section seven